preach after that, you need to go ahead and retire. And, but we are, we are so excited about your coming, and, I, and I'm going to receive a blessing hearing the Word of God proclaimed, and I'm just going to sit and enjoy it and listen and uh, excited for you to be here. Jesus said, sanctify them by your word, for your word is truth. And I know that that's what's, going, that's a, what's about to happen right now as Brother Cagle brings the message. Uh, he's a personal friend of yours, Brother David, right? So, Brother David, you have a few words you want to share with us and then introduce Brother Cagle, and I'm going to go take my seat. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Brother John. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. I just can't help but cry sometimes. It's okay to cry. When Jesus touches your heart, it's okay. Whew. Some months ago, Brother Josh asked me if I would put together a revival for being a old man I thought of an old fashioned revival and uh, brother Josh left everything up to me to plan this and Todd Allen's mother and daddy were members of my church over in Hattiesburg, Mississippi I, I met Todd many years ago they've had eight children Michelle you don't look like it but God bless you Four of their children are with us, going to be with us. And each night before the service, the revival preaching service, from 6 to 6.30, they're going to be doing what they just did. We want you here. Uh, we're going to be singing the old songs, the songs that touch your heart, like in an old-fashioned revival. And I'd like to ask how many of you if you don't mind telling us, we're saved in a revival. Would you just raise your hand? You accepted Jesus in a revival. I want you to just hold your hand up. So many of them. Churches don't have revivals much anymore. And uh, I think this church is to be commended, Brother Josh, and this whole church for saying, let's have a revival. Amen. And you know what I believe? I believe we're going to have revival. <laughs> I don't think it's just going to be preaching and singing, but I think Jesus is going to come meet with us. Yes. I believe his Holy Spirit is going to come down and touch us. And I believe what the Lord's going to do here, words won't be able to explain it. It'll just be a Jesus thing. We chose this day. I shared this with Brother Josh. I looked on the calendar, and you know what today is, special day across the nation? Grandparents' Day. What a day to recognize our senile citizen. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Y'all know that's a joke, right? Because I am one. I want to thank the Allens for coming. If I can just have their little up for just a minute, Sue, if you can put it up there. I know it's not in order, but I want you to meet the children. They've got one who's got the same name as our pastor, Josh. Josh, which one are you? Would you stand up, Josh, and remain standing? And then we got Danielle, 
That's easy because she's the only lady other than her mother singing, Michelle. And then we've got uh, Zach. And then we've got a real Christian. That's his name. Thank you. Be seated. Um, there are so many people that I want to thank, and I'm going to do this quickly. So, Sue, if you'll put that other slide up there. Here it is. These are the groups, the teenagers, the homebound, the caregivers, the sweet spirits, and the hootenanny that Brother Dick led us in. And I want to recognize these people. Sue Hathill is up here in the booth. Sue, just wave at us. And she's the one that puts all these great slides together. And Shirley Johnston, where are you, Shirley? Stand up, if you would, and remain standing just a minute. And then Margaret Gerald is in charge of our caregivers. Where are you? Back here in the back. She can't stand because she's got serious health problems. And Nancy Clark is the leader of our sweet spirits. Nancy, where are you? Oh, there you are. Thank you, Nancy. And then Dick Hamill used to be the minister of music here. And he had a hootenanny this past uh, Thursday for our teenagers, and we just sang the old song. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I could not have done what I've done. I couldn't have gotten us to this place without every one of you. Thank you. Be seated, Shirley. Thank you so very much. you to ask yourself this question. Do you love the person seated next to you? Do you love the person in front of you? Turn around and see if you love the person behind you. You know, the Bible says that they'll know that we're Christians because we go to church. No, it didn't say that. We'll know that you're Christians because you sing Christian songs. No, it didn't say that. It says we know you're Christians because you love one another. And I want every one of you to just hold up your hand right now. It doesn't matter which hand. White would be preferred. Would just everybody just raise your hand and shake it? I've shaken hands with everybody here this morning. And I love you, and I love our pastor, and I love his church. I love our staff. Jesus didn't make a mistake when he led Jewel and me here to Mother Grove Baptist Church. Josh, this is where we were supposed to be. Thank you for letting us do this. Amen. I want to introduce. Do y'all know what a fireball preacher is? You're going to hear one. <laughs> About 16 years ago, Myra and I had gone overseas to a little country called Macedonia. Macedonia is in the Bible. A man of Macedonia cried out and said, come over here, Paul, and help us. We went to that Macedonia, and we had uh, evangelism meetings, sharing Jesus in little villages. And I met this guy right here and his wife, Betty, and uh, he preaches Jesus with fire, enthusiasm, 
just excited about Jesus. And I thought we couldn't start this revival off with a better preacher than Oliver Cagle. Amen? But Oliver. Come on down, teenager. <laughs> Love you, brother. Love you. Thank you for the joy of being here. Well, if the guy that Brother David introduced shows up, let me know and I'll stand back and we'll let him preach. Amen? Now, I'm blessed with a big mouth, so somewhere up in the sound booth, eventually you'll have to do something. I'm sure just don't shoot me. Amen? It's a joy to be with you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, and we'll be reading verses 25 through 34. I'll give you a moment to turn. Now, here's my sermons for senior adults. Let's get this over with. Caleb could, so can you. At 85, he still wanted that mountain, and he still had a ministry. Enoch did, and so can you. He walked with God. He worshiped God. He witnessed to God for God, and he went to be with God. Now, that's my senior adult sermons. I'm just practicing. And uh, we're delighted to be here. My precious wife, Betty, is back here somewhere. She's been putting up with me almost 64 years, so I just thank God for her because God used her. God had touched my heart as a boy, but I didn't surrender. And God chased me, never gave up on me. But then he brought a precious young lady, and she said, I won't go to the dance hall with you. I won't go anywhere and drink. You can go to church with me. So the church, where I went as a little boy and walked the aisle, I went, I met Jesus. Unusual. In two years, April 26, 1959, I got saved. November the 25th of 1959, got married. Third, uh, January, the first Sunday, I surrendered to preach. And 13 months later, God gave us a daughter. Now, if you don't think God blesses in a hurry, in two years, that's what Jesus did for me. And the little song says, he's still working on me. And uh, Alan family, thank you. You've already blessed my socks off. I had to, man, they went down. I had to roll them back up three times. Thank you for singing about our Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Now, Brother David told me that you needed preaching and that I needed the practice. And he told me a moment ago that you threw the program away. There's just no order of service but order in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he said, uh, just so we get out in time for him to preach tonight. <laughs> Is that right, Brother David? But I have to give a testimony. We left over at Orange Beach. Uh, we stayed over at our daughter. They have a place over there. And so we came the back way. And we got just as lost as a backslidden Methodist. <laughs> and we stopped two places. And finally, here's how God works. The devil's trying to keep us from getting here. But the Lord sent a precious black preacher. And he said, I'll lead you over there. Well, he, I, he didn't understand that I, I said Baptist. So he led me to the Methodist church. 
he went in. They told him how to get to the Baptists and said, get out of here. No, they didn't tell him to get out. They just told me, said, where it was at. And so I got here just in time to practice preaching. Uh, hey, I'm the lostest Baptist preacher you'll ever meet. But I thank God for his whose mercy hadn't run out. And it's not a matter who I got a hold of. Glory to God, it's who's got a hold of us. And listen, as evangelist Sam Cathy said, we're in the grips of the hand of Jesus. We're under the blood of Jesus. And if the demons would have to pry open the fingers of Jesus and wade through the blood to get to us, and if they did, they'd be saved devils. Son, listen, we're safe in Jesus. Turn with me, Acts 16, verses 25 through 34, and listen as God speaks to our heart. Now, I'm old enough, and for you youngins, I still use the old King James Conversion Bible. So if it stirs you a little bit, just hang in there because it's just as true as it ever was. Amen. Listen to the word. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keepers of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. By the way, he found the light that night and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Join the church of Christ or the Baptist church or be baptized or take the Lord's Supper or speak in tongues. No, he didn't. Listen to what he says. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, and all his straightway. And when he brought them into his house, he set meat before them, rejoicing, and believing in God with all his house. Pray with me. Father, I thank you today for every man, every woman, every boy and girl that you brought into this service. I thank you for the precious Allen family as they've sang under the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. I thank you for this staff, for every member here. I thank you, Lord, most of all that your Holy Spirit's here. And Lord, I ask you today, in this service, what you've already started through the music, continue through the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, I ask you to do today. I ask you to do tonight. I ask you to do through Wednesday. In every service, supernaturally that, that the only way it be explained. God did it. God did it. God did it, because Lord, if you don't do it, 
we get what man can do. And Lord, what man can do, what we can do, won't do. We need you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, do in this service all that Jesus promised that you'd do when you came. And we'll stand back and give Jesus all glory and honor and praise. In the dear name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The 16th chapter of the book of Acts is one of the great chapters in the word of God. It describes a part of Paul's second missionary journey. Now Paul and Silas came to Troas. The Spirit of God would not let them take the gospel into Asia. The Spirit of God would not allow them to take the gospel into Bithynia, modern-day Turkey. But when they came to Troas, Paul and Silas had a call. They had a vision of a man saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. They were convinced this was the call of God. This was the will of God for them to go into Europe. And as far as we know, this would be the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ had ever gone into Europe. So there was a call. And so they went to the city of Philippi. There was no synagogue there. There were not enough male Jews there. But there were some women having a prayer meeting on the Sabbath day down by the riverside. And so Paul and Silas would see conversions because Paul and Silas went down by the riverside and they shared the gospel. The Lord opened Lydia's heart. She was a dry goods dealer from Tyra Tyra. And Lydia and her family were gloriously saved. So there was a call. There was conversions. But then there was a confrontation. For you see, as Paul and Silas every Sabbath would go from Lydia's home that they were staying with, there was a demon-possessed young lady. And she kept following them and saying, These are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now you say, well, she's telling the truth. No. In the Greek New Testament, there is no article there. So literally she was saying, though the demons know Jesus and know the truth, she was literally perverting the gospel, for she was saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us a way of salvation, suggesting there's more than one way to be saved. And as the country boy would say, taint none. Only one way. And Jesus is the way. She continued to harass them. And so Paul, in the mighty name of Jesus, turned to the demons in her and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. She was saved and set free. The demons came out and Jesus came in. Hallelujah. But isn't it interesting? Anytime somebody gets saved, like Lydia in her household, anytime revival comes or God moves, the devil's demons will always show up and try to pervert the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then there was a confrontation. But then there was a confinement. For you see, 
there were some merchants in the city of Philippi that were filling their pockets with money using this demon-possessed girl, and she got saved. And so they got mad, and they literally dragged Paul and Silas into town, beat them with a cat of nine tails, put them in a cold, dark, damp, deep, dingy dungeon, and they were there at the midnight hour. And I want to talk to you about revival in the midnight hour. For you see, in that midnight hour, with Paul and Silas in prison, with their backs with stripes, with their feet in stocks, their God wasn't dead, he wasn't sick, he wasn't asleep, he was still on his throne, and he was in business in the midnight hour. I want to tell you something. We're living in the midnight hour of history. The last hour before the bridegroom comes for his bride, the church. It is a dark hour in America today. Ungodliness on every hand. Homosexual. Confused sexual. Sexual mutilation. Women demonstrating on the streets and men on the streets to kill babies. Homosexuals trying to steal the rainbow. You know, it's interesting. After the flood, there was a rainbow of God's mercy and grace. But when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, there's a pillar of salt and a blanket of, mo of, of smoke coming up. We live in the midnight hour of history. Hey, many preachers don't have any backbone to preach the word of God. We have politicians, our current administration, no matter what you are, when most of them are sexually perverted and there's ungodliness on every hand and there's rioting and demonstrations and ungodliness everywhere. We're in the midnight hour. But oh, bless God, I'm so glad Jesus is alive in the midnight hour, that he came out of the grave, that he's alive in this midnight hour, that he's in the prayer answering business, that he's in the praise responding business, that he's in the power sending business, that he's in the personal soul winning business, that he's in the personal saving business and the personal rejoicing business. I want you to know Jesus is alive in this midnight hour, folks. He's alive. He's alive. You say, how do you know he's alive? I talked to him this morning. I don't talk to dead people. I don't talk to dead people. It's the midnight hour. But we have revival in the midnight hour. And there's some things that Paul and Silas did in the midnight hour. Folks, we need in this midnight hour. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you're doing, or what you've done. Our only hope in the midnight hour is Jesus. Our only hope in the midnight hour is for a move of the Spirit of the living God, where saints of God are on their face before God, where sinners are crying out, Jesus, save me. It's the midnight hour. So note with me. 
If you'll listen quick, I'll preach quick. If you listen slow, I'll drag it, okay? But listen. Number one, Paul and Silas prayed in the midnight hour. Acts 16, 25 says they prayed, and it was midnight. Here they are. Don't sound like Southern Baptist to me. Backs lacerated with stripes, their feet in stocks, their feet in stocks, they're in a prison. And they began to pray in the midnight hour. Folks, we need to pray in this midnight hour of history. The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. The Bible says, call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jesus said, men ought to always pray and not faint. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. The Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to pray. Rain stopping prayer like Elijah did. Rain starting prayer like Elijah did. Fire sending prayer like Elijah prayed. You say, Elijah was a prophet of God. I'm a saint of God and so are you if you're saved. And we belong to the same God that Elijah belonged to. We need to pray like old Hezekiah prayed. Pain relieving, life extending prayer. And when we prayed, we need to pray privately and publicly and pointedly and powerfully. And when we prayed, we need to pray some more. And then we need to pray some more. And like the old spiritual, we need to say, it's not my mama, not my papa, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We need to pray. We need to pray like the Old Testament priest. How many Baptists here are priests? If you're saved, you're a priest. Amen. Somebody asked me one time, is a, a believer a saint? If you're saved, you're a saint. If you ain't, you ain't. Hallelujah. We got saved. We're already sainted. We don't have to wait till we die. And there'd be a big council to proclaim that we're saints. Amen. But in the Old Testament, in Exodus 28th chapter, we see some of the clothing of the high priest. First, he wore an ephod. It was kind of like a paint pot. On one shoulder was the name of six of the 12 tribes. On the other shoulder was the name of six other 12 of the 12 tribes. And so as the priest went before God, he had on his shoulders the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. He wore a breastplate. On that breastplate were 12 stones. Each stone was for one of the, had one of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when the priest went before God, he went with the names of the Israelites on his heart. You and I need to have people's names on our heart and on our shoulders in a burden. And in this midnight hour, we need to go to God as priests and cry out, Lord, save our loved ones. Lord, revive the backslidden. Oh, God, stir in America. Send the old-time power, the Pentecostal power. Oh, how we need pray to pray to pray now I've got more 
My sermon's like bologna. I can cut it off wherever I need to. If it's garlic bologna, I may not cut it off, Brother David, till we get a cracker to eat some. Listen. Secondly, Acts 16.25b says, they praised God in the midnight hour. Now here's Paul and Silas. They didn't have mullet gloves like most of the Southern Baptists have. They didn't have a pity party there in that prison at midnight. They had a praise party. They began to praise Jesus. Hey, the prisoners heard them praying. The prisoners heard them praising. In the midnight hour. Now, Baptists have a pity party over paint, over carpet, over song books, over the way the preacher's wife dresses. You're welcome. That's free. <laughs> David told me to say that. No. But listen. Baptists love to have pity parties. We ought to be having praise parties. Hey, listen, we can't get over what Jesus has already done for us. Hey, we're sinners saved by grace from disgrace. With tender hands he lifted me. From sinking sands he lifted me. Oh, praise God, he lifted me. And he lifted you if you're saved. And if not, he's the lifter upper and he'll lift you up today. They praise God. In the midnight hour. And we need to praise God in the midnight hour. There's a lot of Baptists need to praise their work zone. Well, I don't like this praising in the church. I don't want nobody lifting their hands. Listen, you're going to be like two left feet in heaven. You need to practice up now. What are we going to do for eternity? We're going to praise Jesus. They praise God in the midnight hour. Now the Bible tells us, praising saints please the Lord, whosoever are praised glorifies me. Praising saints enjoy the presence of the Lord. It says he inhabits the praises of Israel. Praising saints enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Praising saints enjoy the power and protection of the Lord. Judah means praise. Oh, Jehoshaphat, hey, he was about to get defeated. He called them out and said, let's go to praising and singing and rejoicing. And they were protected and there was victory. Stephen Olford, a great preacher of yesteryear, said, prayer is for time, but praise is for eternity. And then I was reading Father Stephen Olford was at Moody Bible Institute for a conference. And he saw this dear woman missionary that he knew. And she had the glow of Jesus on her. And Stephen Olford went up to her and he said, What on earth has happened to you? And she said, Brother Stephen, this is my praise day. On this day, I don't ask Jesus for anything. I just praise him all the day long. Well, I didn't know any better than to tell my wife about that. 
And my wife was working at a hospital. And one day she came in. And the glory was on her. She was shining. I, I, I'm telling you what. She needed whatever Moses had on his head when he had to cover up. And I said, what on earth? She said, today was my praise day. I said, I hadn't done anything today. I hadn't asked the Lord for anything. I've just praised him all day long. Hey, that's what we're going to praise Jesus for eternity. We're going to be crying out, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and power. But not only they prayed during the midnight hour, not only did they praise the Lord in the midnight hour, but number three, there was the power of God. For you see, in the midnight hour, God sent an earthquake and shook that jail. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said, The Lord was so well pleased with Paul and Silas' praying and praising that he said amen by sending an earthquake. And it shook that jail. Shook the doors open. But the prisoners didn't go out. Shook the jail. Hey, listen to me carefully. You show me a Jesus preaching church, a Jesus praying church, and a Jesus praising church, and you look out because the power of God will fall supernaturally. You know why God's not moving a lot of places? I thank God. I understand. Your pastor preaches the word of God. Your staff believes the word of God. The preaching of the word of God. Praying and praising Jesus and stand back. The Pentecostal powerful. God will move in and we stand back and say, God did it. God did it. Glory. Hallelujah. I couldn't do it, but God did it. They prayed. Now, I thank God that you having cottage prayer meetings. Some folks don't even know what a cottage prayer meeting is. But that's been times when people prayed and God has used it to move supernaturally. It's evident. I saw you coming here to the altar praying and asking God, do it again, Lord, do it. I heard the precious Allen family as they're singing and leading us to praise Jesus. People say, oh, you get too carried away. You can holler like a Comanche Indian if Florida State's winning. You can shop like a Gator if Florida's winning. You can holler roll tide if Alabama does win. You can holler... War Eagle, if you want to, and they call you a fan, but get happy in Jesus, they say you're a fanatic. Well, Paul says, I'm a fool for Christ. Everybody's somebody's fool. Who's fooling you? 
paid. You say, well, what will people think? What will God think? It doesn't matter a hill of beans, which grandma, grandma, grandpa, son or daughter, cousin, or denominational leaders or anybody else think we need to obey God and His Word. Pray. Praise God. Stand back and look for the power of God to fall. But then, there was personal soul winning. The jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's the midnight hour. Now I have folks telling me, well, I've got the Holy Ghost. But they never tell anybody about Jesus. Hey, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't help but tell people what Jesus did for you. And if you're not telling them and you're saved, you say, well, I don't know what to say. Hey, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can't help but tell people what Jesus has done for you. And if you can't tell them, get saved so he's done something for you, you can tell them what he did for you. There was personal soul winning. We need to be like uh, the blind Chinaman I ran about, read about some time ago. Both eyes were blinded with cataracts, and he came to the mission compound. And the mission doctor did surgery on him. And in a few weeks, he went back to his village seeing. A while later, that blind Chinaman came back to the mission compound to the doctor, and he was holding on to a rope. A rope, yes. And on that rope, holding on, were ten blind Chinamen. And he is bringing them to the one that gave him his sight. Oh, we need to get a rope. Don't put it around the neck. Throw out the lifeline. Tell them to grab hold and bring them to Jesus. They're lost and they need Jesus. There'll be personal soul winning. A lot of our churches used to have a regular visitation time where they go out and just tell people about Jesus. I'm mad at Walmart. I get so tired of talking to that self-check about Jesus and they won't listen. <laughs> All the other times when I go through the checkout, they got a computer because they can't count. And while the computer is computing, I'm just telling them how much Jesus loves them. God's called us all to be a missionary to Walmart and anywhere else. We need to gossip the gospel. Well, what are they going to say? You scare them off. Where are you going to scare them to? Hell number two? If they're lost, they're lost. Oh, I love that song, I'm Looking for a City. But have mercy while I'm looking. I'm going to get a busload take with me. Prayer, praise, power of God, personal soul winning. But then there was personal salvation. 
Now, I don't know how many in the jail got saved. I know they heard Paul and Silas praying and praising. I believe they heard him when they told the jailer how to be saved. But I know this. The jailer and his family got saved. Personal salvation in the midnight hour. If God's people repent of their spiritual outjaw and begin to gossip the gospel and tell people about Jesus and share Jesus with everybody, there'll be personal salvation. People get saved. God has set the church on fire and people come watch it burn. But then there was personal rejoicing. The Bible says here, that the jailer and his family rejoiced. Listen, there's rejoicing in heaven every time somebody's saved. Luke 15. Brother David and I have been on the mission field. We've seen it in Peru and other places. People get saved. They get them to stand down there. And then they begin to sing. And they sing all the people through the line so they can greet them and hug them and tell them they're glad they got saved. Brother, we need some hugging and some crying and some singing and some shouting and rejoicing because men and women and boys and girls have been saved. They've been set free from the bondage of sin. They've been redeemed. They've been washed in the blood. When I was Seminary, Brother David, for some reason, God sent me to North Carolina, Southeastern Seminary. At that time, it was a hotbed of liberalism. But the Lord put us in a church 35 miles from the seminary. That's why God sent us there. And it made me stronger in Jesus. But back in those days, we wore black and white shoes. Well, I had a pair of black and white shoes on. And a lot of the students that were liberals... That's a person doesn't believe Jesus, Son of God, is a liberal. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't believe the Bible's a verbal, inspired, holy word of God. They're liberal. I'm sorry. But anyhow, they began to make light of my shoes. And I said, these are my testimony shoes. I said, what do you mean? I said, the black is the color of my soul before I met Jesus. And the whites, what happened after the blood of Jesus got a hold of me and washed me of my sins and saved me. Folks, it's the midnight hour. Now, I'm not a pessimist because my God's alive. I'm not a pessimist because Jesus saved me. And if Jesus can save me, there's nobody he can't save. He's in the saving business. He's in the life-changing business. He's in the prayer-answering business. He's in the praise-responding business. He's in the power-sending business. Send the old-time power. He's in the personal soul winning business. He went to the well and he saved the woman at the well that was on her way to hell. And he's still saving. He's still changing. He's still in the sharing business. And he's still in the personal rejoicing. Do you remember the old song? If you're old as dirt like I am, you do. Bringing in the sheaves, 
Bring in in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing. Bring in in the sheaves. It's the midnight hour. But now I want to ask you a couple of questions. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to say anything to you. I'm not coming out in the audience. But I'm going to ask you some questions. With heads bowed and eyes closed, question number one. How many here today can say there's been a time and a place where as a lost sinner I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus and he came into my heart and he saved me. If that's true in your life, just slip your hand up. Bless you, you may put them down. Second question, I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you. Are there those here today who'd say, Preacher, I have never turned from my sin. I've never given my heart to Jesus and I need to be saved. Preacher, would you pray for me that I'd give my heart to Jesus. If that's true in your life, would you just simply slip your hand up? Nobody will come to you. Nobody will embarrass you. You just say, Preacher, I need Jesus. Will you pray for me? Now, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus in your heart, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to pray before I talk to the saints of God. But listen to me. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus and been saved, and you mean it from your heart. You're not praying to me. You're not praying to Brother Josh or Brother David. But you're praying to Jesus. So if you're without Jesus and you mean it, you can pray out loud or silently, Jesus hears. Pray this way. Lord Jesus Christ, I know you're the Son of God. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for my sins. And Jesus, I know you arose from the grave. Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, I turn from my sin. I repent. I turn to you. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Wash them away with your blood. Save me. And write my name in your book. Be with me tonight, now. And help me to love you till I go to heaven. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer in a minute during the invitation, I want you to come. Brother David and the pastor staff will be here and say, I gave my heart to Jesus. But I want you to listen to me secondly. How many here today and say, I know Jesus? God's spoken to my heart, and I need to get right, and I want revival to come. Pray for me. If that's true, just slip your hand up. You're saved. 
I want revival to come. Yes, all over the place. Now, in a moment during the invitation, if you pray and ask Jesus in your heart, staff will be here, you come and share with him. If you're here as a believer and you raised your hand or didn't, but there's some things in your life you need to get right and you want revival to come and you're willing to get right with God about it. If you're able, I want you to come and kneel here at the altar or come and stand. And then in a little bit, the pastor will come and lead in a special prayer. If you're without Jesus in a minute and you prayed that prayer, come and share with a staff member publicly standing for Jesus. You don't have to make a speech. You're just coming and saying, I gave my life to Jesus. As a believer, if God's spoken to you, I ask you to come right now in a moment. The Allen family is going to be singing. The Spirit of God spoken to you. Obey Jesus, I pray. Right now, in Jesus' name, as we stand, you come. They're singing. You come. Staff's here, Brother David and the pastor. And if you're without Jesus, you come to the staff member and say, Look, I'm coming to give my life to Jesus today. You come right now. Pastor's here. Come on. Oh, to Jesus.